And uh, good morning, everybody. Very good to see you. And um, you know, that was happened here. Can anybody remember the theme that we've chosen for this year? You can just shout it out. Hill climbing for beginners. And uh, we've been looking at various aspects of our life where we've had to climb hills and there are hills to climb and there are things which are there and are challenges to us. And this, this present lo- uh, short series that we're doing, I think Dave kicked it off last week and he, he assures me that he did, um, he went sort of way back to the previous year as well and he brought us through where we've been coming from and what we've been looking at and this series beginner to intermediate hill climbing for beginners do we always want to be a beginner and you know the older I get and I have got quite old the more I realize that in many ways I'm still a beginner Um, the more I read the scripture, the more I listen to God, the more I hear about him and learn about him, the more I realize I don't know. The more there is to go go for. And we put hill climbing for beginners, beginner to intermediate, and we don't want to be beginners all our lives. But at the same time, we never get to the point where we are an expert and we know it all. I think that's the, that's the message that we're trying to get over in this. There's always more to learn. There are always more hills to climb. There are always more that we can learn about the Lord. And we can also learn about the world as well. And, of course, maturity. And that's what, that's what we're looking at today. Unity and maturity. Maturity has got nothing to do with years. Maturity as a Christian has got nothing to do with either how old we are or how many years we've been a Christian. Because I've met very young Christians who are very mature in the Lord and they have really grown. And I've met Christians who've been Christians for many decades And they're still babies. They're still immature. So what we need to do is we need to say that God is doing a work in you and he wants you to move on with him. And so unity and maturity is what we're looking at today. And the passage we're going to be looking at... Now, can I just explain? This background I got, I thought... It looks really nice because there's a lot of hills and it's sort of, you know. But then at the top, it's light and at the bottom it's dark. So that's why there's no other reason that it goes from black to white text other than to help you see it. All right? Can anybody not read that? Can anybody not read? All right, okay. Yeah, Simon. Right, okay. So this is, this is Ephesians 4. We're starting at verse 2 because I've just didn't want to crowd the screen up too much. Verse 1 is not so important, I don't think. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. 
Make every effort, effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So that's that little bit there. Now, unity. What I just want to try and explain what unity is. <clears throat> unity is, uh, is that we agree on the basis of our faith. We all believe, you know, if you want to sort of have it written down, the creed gives you that. That's what we believe in. That's our unity. We're united. We, we believe in that. Um, we also use the evangelical alliance uh, basis of faith. And that's unity, believing those. But do we all agree on everything? No, we don't. I can assure you we don't. We would get, if we went round the room and asked somebody to, every, all of you, to give your views on certain matters of, you know, faith, we might get, if there's, say, 40 people here, we might get 40 different answers. Does that mean we can't be united? Not a bit of it. We can be united. And what God wants from his people is unity, working together as part of a body, but we don't all, we're not all the same. Unity, not uniformity. Now, I did listen to a, um, uh, a Jewish fellow, and he was speaking. He was giving, I thought it, was a, it, was a, it looked like an interesting lecture. It was about the temple, Solomon's temple, and it's how it affects our daily life. This was on a, a cruise ship I was on, so I thought, I'll go along to that. I went to it. The whole thing was nothing of the kind. It really was a very... He should have been done under the Trade Descriptions Act. He didn't talk about that at all. And in fact, mostly, in, for me, he was an absolute bore. Now... But one thing he did say, which, which he, he just brought to my mind, this. If you look, this is back in Genesis. And this is the, just the little preamble to the story of the Tower of Babel. You know that story where the people all came together and they thought, we're going to build this tower and we're going to, it's going to show how great we all are. And look at, if you look at it, this is from the Good News Bible. Because I think it actually gives us the true meaning. At first... The people of the whole world had only one language. Wouldn't that be convenient? Mind you, we have really only got one language. It's English, isn't it? All right, okay. Um, the, but, but, this is the thing. The whole world had only one language and used the same words. What this, this Jewish chap said, this is describing something God does not like, which is a totalitarian state. A state where everybody has to think the same. Where everybody, where all opposition is stamped out. Where you just have to say the party line. You have to say and toe the party line. And that's what they had. They had all one language and they all 
used the same words. It says, wandered through about the east, they came to a plain and settled there, built the tower. But I think that's, that's the crucial thing. That's not the kind of thing that God wants in his church. He doesn't want us all to be, all just parrot out the same things. Yes, you quote scripture, but there's, there are ways of interpreting scripture, and I believe God does that. And, you know, in the synagogues, in, in, the, in Jesus' time, people would expound a scripture and people would be able to discuss it and talk about it and be able to just ask questions. and do. It wasn't that this is it, there's nothing else. And that's not what God wants. I don't think he wants it for this world either. Have you noticed in recent years that you have to, well, there's pressure on you to conform to certain ideas which are contrary to what God says in his word. You're supposed to think this. You're supposed to say that. You must not mention something else because it's awkward. Have you noticed that? And have you noticed how people can be cancelled if they say the wrong thing? We need to go back to scripture and we need to be God's people, God's salt and light in this world. And we're united We don't all use the same words. Yes, words of scripture, they don't change. But we don't all think the same way. We're not a load of robots programmed up. So God wants us to be united, but not the same, not uniform. And the thing with with churches, with Christian churches, is that they are notorious for having splits, aren't they? somebody falls out with somebody or somebody thinks that they can do things better and they lead some sort of little movement, little pocket of opposition and churches split. And, you know, people always say the church is the worst for this, you know, that other people can get on all right, it's just churches don't do it and, you know, religious lot, they're a terrible bunch. I mean, I just look around, you know, terrible. Anyway, The thing is that we have a different dimension to our our everyday lives, our church lives. And the dimension is, it's a spiritual one. Now, people in the world, they're already, they don't have any time for God and therefore there's there's no problem. They can all agree to, you know, get on with it. But when God is involved and spiritual matters are involved, that can lead to much more and greater divisions. Now, this church has had its share of splits over the years. doesn't mean we do the splits, but people have actually had to leave. Well, they felt they had to leave. I'll just run through a few of them. There, are, there really were only three, I think. Now, I think I can speak about this. I do know quite a bit about the history of this fellowship, but I've, I've been in this fellowship for 61 years. I came in as a boy of eight, all those in 1962, and I've been in this church ever since. In 1970s, there was a split. A group of people left because we were too free. We were too wild and wacky. And the people who thought we were going off the rails, decided they would go off and, and join a church which suited them better. And that was quite a, quite a blow. 
Then in the 1980s, a group of people left because we were too staid and too safe. And a group of people split. That was quite a, a bad one because a lot of our youth leaders left at the time. It was 1984, wasn't it, Barry? 1984. And then there was... The next one was not quite a split, but it was kind of... We kind of like started to wither away. We were dying on our feet. And basically people were leaving. Just leaving. It wasn't really a major split... But people just left. And so we're talking about in the late 1990s, early 2000s, I was the only elder of the church. Now think how awful that would be. It was awful for me as well, and for Julie and uh, our family, because there was nobody else. And we were down to a minimum number and people were telling us all the time, this church will die. It could be quick, it could be a bit slow and painful, but it's going to die because you've got no hope. And the next stage, the thing that I took, I invited Barry to join the eldership, <laughs> me. And together we worked and we just felt that God had a plan for this church. And yes, and the thing was that, yes, the church would have died if it hadn't been for the Lord. And we're here. And we're still here. And, you know, all of those splits that we had, all those problems we had, were as a result of personality. In one sense or another. They're, these splits in churches are often over personalities, mostly, I think, they're hardly ever over doctrine or theology because if you love somebody and they've got some stupid ideas then you can still get on. I mean, look, I've worked with Barry for a long time, you know. And so, the thing is, these personalities, when somebody thinks that they are better than the rest, somebody thinks they should be the top dog. And humility is the sign of maturity in a church. And the thing was that when we were really work, you know, trying to rebuild the church or helping, you know, God was just working and it took a while. But the thing that I was absolutely convinced of, we cannot have any more splits. We cannot have any more of these breakaways and we prayed that God would keep us united and we wouldn't have these splits. Now, it doesn't mean we don't get the odd, you know, disagreement and people, you know, don't like this and don't like that and they think they could do it better a bit like that, but not a major split. And the Lord has honoured that prayer right up to today. So, praise the Lord that we all have to do our part to keep the unity. And it says here, that is, so Christ, this is verse 11, gave himself to the apostles and prophets, to the, ev the evangelists, the pastors and the teachers, to equip his people for works of service, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure 
of the fullness of Christ. Paul uses this imagery. This is Paul writing this letter to a group of Christians who were not from the Jewish tradition. They were Gentiles, like most of us, I guess. I don't know if we have any Jewish people in here. But they, these, these people were Gentiles. And Jesus, sorry, Paul gives this imagery of the church being the body of Christ and all these gifts that he's equipped us with. That's only one short, short gift, list of gifts which are to build up the church. All of the gifts are to build up the church. And if you look through scriptures, you can find spiritual gifts, lists of them here and there. And these are things that we need to find out. If we want to be, go from a beginner to intermediate and we're not using our gift, that's something we need to do as well. So we need to look, what's our gift? Now there's one gift, something has been listed as a gift, the gift of martyrdom. That's not one of the most popular ones that people would be you know, desiring. However, that one, maybe, I could see a time, I can foresee a time that possibly that, that gift might be needed. We might have to be prepared to die for our Lord. Because people have... People have done it many times down through the years. Well, you do it once, but um, I'm saying that many Christians have done it. It doesn't mean we're praying to be killed by some um, militant or something. It doesn't mean that. But find your gift and use it to build the body up. Then you will go from a beginner to an intermediate. Again, like this. So... And again, we, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people in the deceitful scheme. You know, I'll just come out of that there, of the black text. That's quite handy, that it's a black text there. That little bit will no longer be infants. Now, what we need to be sure of is we don't, we've got to be a bit wise. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you have to lose your mind. Not everything we are told by our media is true. Not everything that's in the newspapers is, is true. Not everything that has become accepted is true. We need to compare it with Scripture. If it doesn't tie up with what God says, it's probably not true. And I found this scripture, which I thought was absolutely fascinating, really based on the last few years. This is, this is from Isaiah chapter 8. This is what the Lord says to me with his strong hand upon me, warning me not to follow the way of this people. Don't follow the way of the people. Follow the way of the Lord. And it says this, Do not call conspiracy... Everything this people calls a conspiracy. Oh, don't believe that. It's just a conspiracy theory. It's just a tin hat thing, you know, one of these tin foil hats. Do not fear what they fear and do not dread it. The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as, as holy. He's the one you are to fear and the one you are to dread. And so I ask the question, what is the difference between a conspiracy theory and the truth? 
And the answer is about six months. And we've found over these last few years, we've been told things are not true. No, 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 nothing to worry about here. It's fine. And then we find out, actually, yeah, it is true. So I'm saying to you, we must not believe everything we are told by the media. Because it isn't necessarily true. And a lot of things are said to us by people who have not the slightest moment in their lives for God. In fact, they deny his existence. So we know where they're coming from and we know who they're listening to. And it's not God. So all I'm saying to you is to be mature as well, to go to a... uh, to go from a beginner to an intermediate, we need to be a bit wise. Don't just listen to the ways of the world. So I'll read the second half of this bit that I put up earlier. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become, in every respect, the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And that's another matter of maturity and getting to be an intermediate rather than a beginner. If someone came up to you and legitimately told you something about your own life and behaviour, delivered in love with the best of intentions, Will you immediately seek to defend yourself and dispute what's been said? Or will you receive it if it's given in love, consider it, take it to the Lord and weigh it up and come to a decision, allow him to speak to you and say if that is right or wrong? That's a sign of maturity. Now, I'm not talking about someone who just comes in as it in for you and just shouts at you and you know that's not giving speaking the truth in love it might even be not not even be speaking the truth but if this that's a sign of maturity if somebody comes to you and in love for your well-being and for your benefit speaks to you and says there's this i've i've noticed this and maybe we could talk about it pray about it i've i've seen perhaps you there's some changes you need to make will you receive it as it was intended or will you fly into a hissy fit and fit of peak and that won't achieve anything in the Lord's name I warn you do not continue to live like the heathen whose thoughts are worthless whose minds are in the dark they have no part in the life that God gives for they are completely ignorant and stubborn they have lost all feeling of shame They give themselves over to vice and do all sorts of indecent things without restraint. Well, that's self-explanatory. And um, we mustn't be like the world. And the values that the world has, they're not our values. We're, We're in the world, we're not of the world. And don't allow the world to squeeze you into its own mould. And it's very easy to do. Especially if you have not had Christian fellowship for some time. You know, it's very easy to allow that to happen. I'm going to move on. Now, we st- I can't... Uh, where are we? Verse 20. Okay. That, however, is not the way of life you learned 
when you heard about Christ and were taught in, in him, in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, we can't make ourselves like Jesus. We can't do it. You know, we're not capable. But there doesn't mean we don't have a responsibility. This, I think this passage has some things that really, again, we can learn about becoming a more mature Christian. Just look at that little bit there. Put off your old self. That is something that you have to do. That's quite clear. That is an active plea. You, 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 you need to put off your old self. You need to actually prayerfully, before God, say, Lord, I want to put off that old self where I was before I was a Christian. The things I used to think and do and indulge in before I was a Christian, I want to put that old self off. But, this is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, but look at verse 23. To be made new in the attitude of your mind. When you put off your old self, you take the active part. To be made new, that's a passive thing. Because if you put off your old self, God will make you new. So you do that, you take that one step and say, my old self goes off. And God makes you new. And then look at the next bit. Put on the new self and say, I want to be like Jesus. I want that new persona, that new uh, personality that you've, you've given me in Jesus. And then, again, you be, get to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So those two things, again, put off your old self, Put on your new self. You have to ask that. You have to do, take that step. And God does the rest. If you want to be an intermediate or beyond. Uh, you must put off falsehood. Speak truthfully to your neighbour. We're all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. That's a very good one. Whether it be in a relationship, a friendship or a marriage, or, you know, whatever it is, a Christian fellowship, if you've got something with someone, sort it out quickly. Don't go to bed and let it fester. Deal with it. Ask the Lord to, to deal with this situation. Because you're going to give the devil a foothold. And don't, you don't want to do that. You don't want to allow him. He, can't, he can only come in if he's kind of like there's a little gap in the, in the defences. So when you're bearing some sort of grudge, some sort of grievance against somebody else, that's when the devil's got that foothold. He can come in, in those bad thoughts that you may be thinking. <clears throat> Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer. They must work doing something useful with his own hands so that they may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for the building up, according to the others up, according to their needs, that it may, be benefit, that it may benefit those who listen. 
Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And so, really, it's coming to the end now. What we're saying is that it, this is a, I just want to say that this is a very loving church. This is a church where you can feel almost straight away, I've been told, I've been here t- so long, it's hard to notice. But when, <clears throat> when people come along, they feel the warmth, the love, the Christian love. And that's what we need. We need to be like these people that this scripture in Ephesians 4 has been talking about. Because God wants us to grow and to develop and he wants us to be the people he's got planned for us. He wants us to use those gifts to build one another up. He doesn't want us to bear grudges. He wants us to put off the old self, put on the new self, then he's, a, he's free to do that work in us that he wants to do to make us more like Jesus. And we need to be wise to the, the things of this world because, you know, I can see the day of the Lord coming. You look at the, the news. Now, some of the news, of course, you know, it gives us some updates about what's going on in the Middle East. And that's all crucial stuff. We need to be aware of this. We need to make sure we're getting the accurate facts. But God is working out his purposes there. There are awful things going on. And that just shows that, yes, God is in total control, but he has given freedom to men and women to do what they decide is best. But in the end, Jesus is winning. Jesus will win. And he's coming back. And he's coming back for his bride. Or Barry says it's not the bride, but anyway, coming back for his people. Um, So I'm going to just close now with prayer. And this um, theme that we've got, no, I'll pray first, then I'll tell you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to be a people who is getting more mature, the people that is maturing day by day and growing more like Jesus. I pray, Lord, that you would just teach us that we mustn't be like babies tossed here and there, listening to every, every bit of teaching which may or may not be true. We need to weigh things up for ourselves with the Bible. Father, I pray that you would help us to put off our old self, put on our new self, work through us, Father. Release us into gifts. Build us up, Father. And Lord, may we be able to say those words to other people who who just want that word of encouragement. May we be kept humble. Because Lord, you are the one who showed us, even though Jesus was the King of kings and Lord of lords, he humbled himself to die for us on a cross. We need to be humble, Father. We're not better than anybody else. We all have a gift. We all have a part to play. Just release us into those. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.